T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, hour number two. We're tracking down the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. Uh, Try to get that as quick as we can do that. Obviously, some busy times up in the Kansas City area. Um, Tommy, something that's interesting about this game now is that the Chiefs have become home underdogs. We saw it like at the very, very beginning, the very beginning it was coming around three or three and a half, and now the Chiefs are dogs. Let's get into it with Dan Israel, the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. Welcome in, Dan. It is another Five in a row now, AFC Championship weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. We were just talking about how the Chiefs have become home underdogs in this. And I think for the first time that I can remember in a while, the conversation is aimed the other way. I I think there's a general feeling now where everybody's kind of on the Bengals here. And we know that this locker room feeds on bulletin board material. How much conversation do you think is happening early in this week about the Chiefs feeling like the world's against them here? Well, it's a, you know, if you go back to 2018 and 2019, they spent almost those entire seasons that way. So I do think you're right. They like to, they like to be the underdog. You know, they like to have that uh, chip on their shoulder and come out fighting. And I think sometimes we even see it in games where they, they don't really put the pressure on till they're down 10 points. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a psychosis, I think for, for them, I think it's some somewhat of that for as fans, you know, I mean, we, we get into it as well, but uh, it, it always fascinates me how much emphasis we put on the last game, you know, we saw and, and look, I, I watched that game too. The, the Bengals look incredibly convincing. Uh, the, they passed the eye test at every level they weren't making mistakes. Their defense seemed incredibly dominating, and their makeshift off- offensive line didn't seem to be porous at all. So uh, it looks to be an uphill battle where you stand uh, from from uh, as a Chiefs fan. But I do think also, you know, I, I don't want to under 
I know this ankle issue is is what's caused the underdog, but I, I'm I just don't know how severe it is. You know, I watched him walking around without a boot, without tape on his ankle after the game, carrying his daughter on his right side. So, uh, you know, I just don't think he this is as severe an injury as is maybe we it could be because high ankle sprains are are not easy to heal from. Well, Dan, following up on the the underdog mentality for Kansas City going into this game, it's remarkable to think that the last 14 playoff games that the Chiefs have played, they've been favored. So this is kind of uncharted territory uh, for them right now being home underdogs. Does that change any kind of, not necessarily strategy, because the game plan is going to be the game plan, but as far as motivation or does that things like that, does that get into the locker room at all? Um, you know, when you see betting lines and things like that, do the players, do they know about that? Do they care about that? You know, I think it varies. I don't think you can say universally that every player does or does not. I think some are more affected by others. I think probably a bigger concern to them mentally right now is just Mahomes' health and what will he be able to do? Because I, I would be, I'd be shocked if he did much at practice this week. It's not, not that he needs to. He's not a player, I think, that needs a lot of practice. Uh, but I think more than anything, others need to know, yeah, he's going to be fine by game time. I think that's probably occupying more mental space than than being the underdog. But I do think there are going to be some of those guys on that team that, you know, they're, it, it's just a little bit maybe too much for their Eagles to handle, that they, they want to go out and prove something, and now they really want to go out and prove it. So I do think it'll be a fuel. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be uh, a raging fire by the time uh, Saturday gets or Sunday gets here. All right, Dan, let's talk about this game. Uh, Cincinnati, defensively, more than any other team, has had the answers for Kansas City over the past year. What you got to think they're going to watch these games and say, we have to stop Travis Kelsey. If that's where they focus and things are hard on Travis Kelsey, what is the next option for Kansas City? Well, I think one of the things, I mean, this is the, this is the play caller in me. I, I guess I think they need to, to come out with a game plan similar to what the Bengals are doing, which is Burrow doesn't hold on to the ball very long. I mean, he's getting rid of that ball in one and three-quarter seconds, and I think if they can do the same for Mahomes, they stand a much better job of mitigating the Orlando Brown Jr. issue, the, the, you know, where uh, sometimes he struggles in pass defense, and, and with Mahomes being less than mobile, we'll say. I don't want to say he's going to be immobile because I don't think that'll be the case, but he's, I just can't imagine him being 100%. Uh, I, I think getting the ball out quick is going to be important for them. And if they're going to double team Travis Kelsey, that's going to leave somebody else open. I do think the Bengals drop eight in pass coverage quite a bit. It's amazing what they can get done with those front three guys. Uh, they've got to somehow figure out a way to stop that because uh, you saw what that did to the Bills, and, and it's it's destructive at every level where you're 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 really getting coverage sacks by just occupying so much space that the quarterback's afraid to throw. Now, one of the things I would say is that Mahomes is an incredibly accurate passer, and so that somewhat defeats sending eight in coverage. But I also think that 
you know, Josh Allen is a fairly decent passer himself. So the fact that it was effective against them, I'm sure they're going to use some of that against us. And, and so for the Chiefs, they've got to figure out a way to combat that, not just the lack of, you know, not just maybe Kelsey being double teamed or taken out of the game. You know, a lot of times I think everybody always comes into town or so to speak, when they play the Chiefs, one of the things they want to do is take away Travis Kelsey, right? And the way they think they're going to do that is to redirect his timing. Very few teams are actually able to do that. Now, I can't give you an answer necessarily as to why that is, whether it's Kelsey's first step, whether it's just his toughness or what. Maybe it's the fact that he reads defenses probably better than any other positional player than a quarterback in the National Football League. But everybody always tries to take Kelsey out of the game, but you still got to do it. And so I think that the two factors are be ready for if they're double teaming Kelsey and then in be ready to, to play your own game if they're not. And the Chiefs, I think, have proven that they can they can win in a myriad of ways now, especially on the ground, right? Yeah, Dan, you and I, uh, I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, and, and I brought it up a couple of different times to you, about Isaiah Pacheco. And, you know, last week against the Jags, rushed for almost 100 yards, averaged over seven yards a carry. And I know we've we've talked about it, and you've commented before about just how angrily he runs like it's almost like every carry he has he thinks might be his last ever and so he's going to make the <laughs> yeah. most of it and uh especially going into this AFC championship game where you know that Patrick Mahomes may be slightly limited mobility wise uh and then of course if the Bengals try to take away Travis Kelsey you would think that they're, they're going to need to lean on Isaiah Pacheco to have a really good game your thoughts on on what he was able to do last week well, and I definitely think, first of all, with last week, I just felt like he had that explosive run. And I've seen him run hard and angry. I had not seen him run at a clip at the pace that he was running. I just thought it was incredible. I'm surprised he got caught, frankly, from behind. Because when he came down that sideline, he was moving so fast. It was like, how is this guy? I mean, Pacheco's like 220 or something like that. He's a big boy. And and so for him to move as fast, I just thought it was a, a great outing for him to have over 100 all-purpose yards, have 90, what, what was it, 98, you said, or 95 on the ground. I mean, it's just it's so, yeah. it's so fun to watch a guy who's just a legitimate running back. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to the Herm Edwards day. I remember when Herm Edwards – uh, traded Tony Richardson and told me, he said, yeah, I don't think we need a fullback. And I thought that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but look at what we are at today. You know, I mean, look how little we use the fullback and guys like Pacheco uh, are kind of that hybrid in the middle of that. You don't expect them to be fast. You expect them to be bruising short yardage backs. And here he is stretching one for 39 yards. So thought, thought Pacheco did an outstanding job of making a play happen, really getting Henny in a position to make that throw, that touchdown throw to Kelsey. But I, I think this week the, the key is probably going to end up being, you know, we need 100 yards of rushing between at least a couple of backs, whether it's Pacheco or it's Pacheco and McKinnon. And they're going to have to figure out how to keep Mixon from doing the same thing because the, the, the one thing I think where these two teams differ, if you look at it, uh, say, last year or maybe even – the contest earlier in this season, the running game has just increased and matured and certainly wasn't there last year to the level that it is this year. So they've got to figure out a way to be able to use that. But I, I also think that the, you know, everybody 
always said this with Tom Brady, right? Well, keep Tom Brady off the field. Keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Keep Joe Burrow off the field. Everybody wants to do that. It, you know, it's much harder to do as a defense and much harder to do as an offensive unit, you know, to, to say, let, let's just keep stretching this, this, this drive out. Let's keep him over on the sideline. Uh, people have tried to do that Mahomes for a number of years, and it's only moderately successful. And we talk about Mahomes, Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us, and that you know ankle again here. But here's what here's what concerns me. And back to the Kelsey thing. Okay, so they say we're going to take Kelsey away. One of the other things the Chiefs have leaned on in the past few years in big games is Mahomes' ability to run in key moments. Right. So if if Kelsey is keyed in on, and is the ankle enough of a problem to then keep that other? Thing that's typically in the holster this time of year of Mahomes being able to pick up first downs and make big plays with his legs are, are is that still on the table or is that another thing that the Chiefs are going to have to try to be without this weekend you know I, I guess I can't answer that not knowing exactly uh how severe the the sprain is and and really how how what shape it will be in come Sunday because there's a lot of time between now and, and Sunday for him to to rehab and get treatment. I think one of the interesting things about a high ankle sprain, if, if you don't know what a high ankle sprain is as opposed to a normal ankle sprain, a normal ankle sprain happens down in the bones that are at the ankle where the, the foot is actually rotating. A high ankle sprain is actually uh, where the two bones of the leg, the calf, come down and tie together. There's, they're, they're kind of wrapped, if you will, by soft tissue. And when we when you experience a high ankle sprain, what you do is you stretch that high that tissue that's wrapping those the base of those bones together and that causes an instability a little bit in the leg. Where that affects a person the most is when you're trying to change directions, whether you're stopping, you're starting, you're turning left versus going right. I think straight line speed isn't as difficult on that joint as it would be moving left and right. I guess what I would say is I think you'll see some running. I think you'll see some sliding early because I don't think he wants to get tackled on it and, and have it possibly, you know, more pressure put on it than it needs to be. Uh, but I don't think you'll see him as mobile either is what you would expect, which I guess to some degree is is something you have to take out of the quiver uh, of the Chiefs offense because he has been very effective. I mean, look how many touchdowns he's scored this year. Look how much rushing yardage he's accumulated. Certainly not a Josh Allen, but he's also not a, a Tom Brady where he just sits in the pocket and does his thing. Not that he couldn't do that. I do think he could be a great pocket passer, but uh, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs offense just really isn't set up that way. And frankly, I think when you see the Mahomes magic, it's typically outside the pocket, let's face it. Right. How much of that, Dan, is uh... – do you think that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, um, throughout this entire week are scheming and planning and preparing for what could be a potential lack of mobility from Patrick Mahomes? Um, of course, you just mentioned the offense isn't really built that way, but you would think with them having eight days and knowing that he's got a high ankle sprain that they can try to put you know different things in place to maybe help protect him or maybe run some plays where he won't be exposed in that way. How much of that goes into the game plan? You know, just knowing Coach Reed, I would suspect uh, it won't change the playbook completely because you can't. But I do think 
you know, they know what plays Mahomes likes. They know what plays he doesn't like. They know what plays are going to be affected most by uh, that injury. And I think you'll see an emphasis put on maybe, you know, excluding those plays. So I think to some degree it's going to affect the the play calling. I think it's going to affect the playbook. Uh, I also think that one of the things that, you know, it's going to be hard. People are talking about, well, you know, that he finished Mahomes finished that game last week with adrenaline. Well, guess what? He's going to have adrenaline in this game as well. And so I, I feel like part of the issue here is no matter what the game plan is, no matter what coach Reed dials up, there are going to be these moments where Mahomes instinctual uh, behavior is to do something that will require pressure on that foot, that back foot, whether it's, a type of throw, a type of scramble. I think we saw last Saturday, one of the things that he struggled with the most was just dropping back and crossing over foot over foot to hand off to a running back, which was interesting to me. It's like, he looks like he's coming out of that handoff in more pain than when he goes to throw. So I think they'll factor it in as coaches. I think they'll put him in the best position they can put him. I just feel like with Mahomes, there's so much, um, they give him so much latitude that they're not going to be able to fully protect himself from the pain that's going to be, uh, you know, out on that field. But again, I, I think if we thought he made it through with adrenaline last weekend, wait till the adrenaline kicks in of the AFC championship. Cause this kid is still one of the biggest competitors I've ever met. One more for me, Dan on the offense here. Cause I think that's what we're all focusing in on. And maybe that's not fair. The defense has quite a task too, but it, could this be an opportunity for Kadarius Tony, uh, who seems healthy, who's been integrated a little bit more, the wide receivers not doing just a whole lot right now, but maybe a spot for Tony and them to get him schemed up and to use his ability that, that we're starting to see flashes of in this game? Yes, I think so. I would have said last week I thought I would see him more because uh, I just feel like he's on the precipice of really – kind of breaking into that familiarity that uh, that Mahomes and Kelsey kind of share. I don't know if it would be to that level, certainly not, but uh, I feel like they're starting to kind of develop a, a working relationship there, and it's getting more and more fluid. He's starting to understand that the play doesn't just go on for four seconds, and if the ball isn't being thrown towards him, he can quit. You know, all of those things that it takes to play with a guy like Mahomes – I, I think he's 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 kind of arrived at that now. So it's time for him. I'd really like to see him break out. I think he's got big play potential. I think he could be a uh, a major factor on a in a situation where they are just double and triple teaming Travis Kelsey. Where if they come on if they come down and they say, look, the one guy that's not going to beat us is Travis Kelsey, and we're applying every defensive resource to that, then somebody's going to be open and could and to me Kadarius Tony makes the most sense I, I, I was happy that MVS finally caught a touchdown I just feel like he struggles with catches in contested situations tight throws are difficult for him to catch and, and as a wide receiver that's a definite drawback and, and I'd like to see Tony become that guy have him and Juju really be the the you know the the balance on the other side of the Kelsey scale, right? It, it hasn't ha quite happened yet, but you can almost kind of see a spark in, in, in there that somehow that's going to eventually erupt into an explosion of, 
of uh, prowess. And, and I'd like to, hey, this would be a great game to do it in. You know, I'd rather him not wait till the Super Bowl. But, <laughs> you know, one way or the other, I'd like to see that this year. Dan, before we let you go, I'm going to break some news here that came out two minutes ago and get your on-the-spot reaction. Remember, it's a family show. Um, from the NFL officiating Twitter, Carl Sheffers will be the referee for the Super Bowl. Uh, that just came down two minutes ago. Your instant reaction about that news? Yeah, you you, you boxed me there in a corner when you said it was a family <laughs> show. I can't say anything that I want to say. I saw this. Uh, I saw this kind of breaking yesterday where he was the favored, and I was just like, I think I tweeted out, you know, just a, like a, a look, you know, a what <laughs> kind of look? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't see how his grade. Uh, he's got a guy on that crew that I swear, guys, is blind. I don't know if they can find me or not, so I'm just going to say it. He's blind. I mean, he, he calls things he doesn't see, and then he sees things. Uh, I, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's like he misses the most obvious of, of plays, and then he'll call a ticky-tack like, oh, you got to be kidding me, you know? They brushed up against one another, and you're calling that non-incidental contact. I, I don't feel like he has a good crew. I'm really shocked that the league was even considering that, and, and the fact that it's a done deal now, uh, I can tell you right now, Mitch yeah. Holtis is going to be, I'm going to have to take his shoelaces and his belt. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's all the rave right now, uh, is that Carl <laughs> Sheffers news. So, so we'll see. All right, uh, Dan, what's coming up on the network for this game? I know you guys will have a lot of cool stuff. Uh, we've got some pregame coming in. It, it gets tricky and complicated, I know, at this time of year. Uh, so what can we expect? Yeah, it's a little different with uh, our agreement. You know, the league controls the rights to this game and the next one. So everything kind of changes for us. Our clocks change everything. It's it's a little broadcast uh, nightmare. But, uh, you know, we do the best we can. We've got some guests coming in. I think we're going to have Ian uh, Eagle come in and talk with us and possibly t- Tony Baselli and some other uh, guys. We should have a good show. And, uh, you know, for, for the Chiefs kingdom, they, they'll, of course, have to find that on – on a different place than, than normal, which we hate. We've hated that for 30 years, but, you know, for the first 27, it never affected us. Now for the last five straight, it's been a big deal. But, hey, look, five straight in Arrowhead, it's amazing. This 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 ride with Coach Reed, how, what what else could we want, right? Uh, it's uh, nothing. Here we go. Five in a row. Yeah. Eli Apple running his mouth. The bang, the uh, Bengals now the favorite. It's all on the table for just a really emotional, dramatic game, which is which is everything we want. Dan, we appreciate it. Uh, let's do it again next week and get ready for a Super Bowl. I love it. Go Chiefs! All right, there goes Dan Israel. Tommy and I will be back. We'll look ahead to K State tonight. Here we go on this Tuesday edition of Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Congratulations to Andre in Hayesville for winning our giveaway of Wichita Thunder tickets and iced tea from HTO. Happy to do that for everybody. Uh, We'll try to do that as often as we can as Tommy and I bring a little of our other lives into the equation uh, every once in a while here on Sports Daily. Um, All right, Tommy, let's talk K-State tonight. A big one. Iowa State, who is just phenomenal at home uh don't believe me just take a look this year they beat texas tech by 34 at home they beat texas by 11 at home they lost to oklahoma state on the road they lost to kansas on the road they did get a win at tcu iowa state's really good caleb grill as of yesterday was doubtful the Mays grad who's their third leading scorer um and in a key part of what they do, but Iowa State is five and a half point favorite right now on BetMGM. Tommy, I I gotta tell you, with what we've seen out of Kansas State, one, I'm gonna take a shot with that money line because it's like plus one ninety now. But two, I'm also gonna take a shot with the points there. Iowa State's really good, and they have blown people out at home. K State's got some swag. Uh, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not going to sit here and say I think Iowa State's going to win by that big a margin tonight. I, I don't uh, even think, I, I don't know that I think they're going to win. I love the money line. That's a juicy, juicy money line for Kansas yeah. State as the number five team in America uh, getting plus money. And I get there on the road against Iowa State and the Cyclones have not lost at home. But that's a juicy number where I will disagree with you a little bit. I don't like the over. Um, only no, I don't like the how... over either. Sorry. I like the points. Okay, gotcha. Plus five I thought, and okay. a half. Yeah. Gotcha. I thought you were talking about the over. Um, I don't like that because Iowa State uh, is is stingy defensively. Um, and so we've seen Kansas State be able to be uh, stingy at times also uh, inconsistently, but they, they can do it also. So that over under is 135. Um, I'm not sure that I'm not sure we're going to get to get to that point. Um, but I do love the money line there. I think that that's something to take a swing at. Yeah, it's, you know, that over-under is interesting because Iowa State, I mean, they both average higher than that. It it just sort of depends. I think what's interesting about this game is both teams are capable sort of of playing both ways, right? Both teams are capable of slowing it down, and that's been one of the remarkable things about Kansas State is its adaptability to whatever style is being played in a game. But, you know, this game right now, 
you've got Kansas State at six and one in the Big Twelve. Iowa State's right there with Texas at five and two. So just massively important, obviously. And I, I would say there's more pressure here, Tommy, for Iowa State. Because if Iowa State loses this, they're two games back of Kansas State, and now they got to play them again in Manhattan. That feels like for Iowa State, it's a game you feel like you got to win if you want to win the Big 12. For K-State, if you lose this game, oh, well, we get them back again in Manhattan. So you sort of have some control there against Iowa State. So I I think K-State has the opportunity to come in here and play a little free and easy. Uh, You know, obviously, the odds makers and everybody thinks this is a game Iowa State's going to win. And I, I sort of get why, because it's one of the best home court advantages in all of the country to have to go to Ames to play them. One of the great fan bases in all the country, underrated. I love Iowa State uh, for those reasons. Just go to the Big 12 tournament one year if you want to see how awesome their fans are. But I I, I like K-State in this spot. I really do, especially if Caleb Grill's out. Well, you know, they're in a position to where they can extend their lead in the Big 12 race right now. Uh, they are alone on their own in first place, which I'm not sure anybody would have predicted uh, as recently as a few not ago. seven here, games into the big 12. No, here they are, you know, with, with sole possession of first place and the chance to extend that lead with the win against Iowa state. We talked about the Jayhawks earlier in the show and they're reeling right now. And so, um, you know, Kansas state, they, like you mentioned, can beat Iowa state, you know, tonight. And then really all the pressure is on the cyclones when they come and play in Manhattan a little bit later on. Um, Same thing, same scenario with the Jayhawks right now. Like, the Wildcats beat them in Manhattan, and so now all the pressure is back on KU. So, yeah, I think that there is something to be said for K-State being able to play free and easy on the road tonight. And it is a hostile environment whenever you go in and and you're taking on Iowa State, um, you know, inside Hilton. It's a hostile environment. It always is. Their fan base is is nutty. It's crazy. That's why they call it Hilton Magic. But regardless, as somebody who is impartial, uh, I'm really looking forward to this game. It's going to be big-time basketball at a high level uh, and a battle for first place. I love it. Yeah, we get we get back-to-back gyms and great gifts of college basketball last night with Baylor KU and tonight with Iowa State K-State. So interesting on so many levels for all four of those teams. Um, and, and, you know, sort of like Baylor. Now I've seen Iowa state more than I saw Baylor going into last night. Baylor actually looked really impressive to me. Uh, they're going to come on with us to Baylor's Baylor's going to be in the mix for this big 12 title. Uh, they're, they're really, they, they look pretty good right now. Iowa state, while I've seen a little bit more of them, Baylor, not a whole lot. So I, I'm in, very interested to get, you know, more in tune with their players, um, and, and what they sort of do. Um, it's, it'll be fun. I like K-State's chances tonight, and if they can get this one, if they can get this one, they've got the win against Texas. Man, they just, like the amplified chances of that Big 12 title and not having to share it and all those things go through the roof. And, you know, it's so far back in the rearview mirror now of like, oh, you know, when is reality going to set it? Man, this is such reality. Dennis Dodd, big CBS sports writer, uh, had an article up on Jerome Tang today and just how you know how it's played out. It's good stuff. The more of that stuff we see, you know, just the evolution of the you know identity and reputation of this program, 
has transformed. Something he pointed out, which is good for K-State's chances tonight and, and just sort of amplified what I already thought, is he pointed out, you know, there was a moment in the Texas Tech game where it appeared the the Lawrence hangover had had kicked in a little bit. Uh, not the Lawrence, sorry, the KU, the, the Manhattan game against KU had kicked in a little bit. And then they responded out of a timeout really well, went on a big run. So I think that's also in the rearview mirror now. Like, I almost think this game's a total reset and K-State can just free and easy, play its game, you know, do its thing. Um, and we'll see. Can Iowa State win this game? Of course they can. But yeah, but, but well, I think K-State will. The other thing to keep in mind, uh, and we're going to be focused more on Kansas State because sure. we're here in this area. Uh, but everybody talks about Jerome Tang and how great he is, and it's all true and it's all correct. Uh, but they forget about his counterpart in Ames. TJ Ulterberger yep. has done a phenomenal job as the head coach for Iowa State. And if it wasn't for Jerome Tang, I think that Ulterberger would be probably the front runner for coach of the year, at least in the Big 12 and maybe nationally, uh, because of what he's done. Think about how down in the dumps, how bad Iowa State was when Steve Prohm left. Uh, that final year for Steve Prohm, I want to say that Iowa State, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say they won fewer than 10 games. It was, they were like, I think they won like eight games in his final year. Uh, and so that program had fallen off a cliff. And Otzelberger came in and very quickly turned them around. It, he hasn't been in that role for very long. What, this is his second year, I think, at Iowa State? And so, yeah, of course, everybody is going to talk about the phenomenal job Jerome Tang has done, and, and that's correct. But that's what I'm really excited about watching tonight is the matchup between these two head coaches who have done wonders at their new jobs and very quickly in both cases turn their programs around and now have them competing for Big 12 titles. It's, it's phenomenal, and I can't wait. Yeah, it, it'll be fun, just like last night was fun. As much as you know, there were parts of the KU Baylor game that were really frustrating, uh, I, I like... <laughs> I like the chances of this game to be. But how great much fun is it? How through. much fun is it that you've got the two elder statesmen of the Big Twelve last night in Bill Self and Scott Drew, mm -hmm. and then tonight you have the two top newcomers in the Big Twelve as far as coaches are concerned. Um, it, it's it's two different matchups entirely, um, but both are are really exciting. Yeah. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Um, and it will be. It'll be awesome. Another piece of news, Tommy, we want to get to yesterday. Uh, the Royals actually do something in the offseason of note. They trade Michael A. Taylor for a couple of reliever prospects, both of whom spent a little time in Wichita for the Wichita for the Twins uh, in the wind surge. Um, I I actually like this trade quite a bit for Kansas City. Um, it, I, I think that, and I've said this a billion times, Kansas City is not going to get back to winning baseball unless it has an effective bullpen. Just it, it is one of the critical parts of small market baseball. You have to have a good bullpen. And, you know, maybe this helps that. Michael A. Taylor, while I think is a handy player and will be handy for the Twins, and I actually appreciate his time in Kansas City, didn't make a whole lot of sense for this roster. And so I, I think, you know, the Royals went out and made a really smart, sound move that could help them. Maybe this year, but if not this year, for, for whatever the future holds, to get a couple of guys that might be able to help you in the bullpen down the road. These are toolsy prospects here that they get back in a trade for a guy that was blocking a young guy and didn't really fit into the future of the franchise. I get it. You know, Taylor also last season 
his OPS was under 700. Um, so it, you know, he's not a high impact player. He was a gold glover, you know, so I get that hit, you know, what he was able to bring defensively. He was fine. Uh, but when you are in a situation where you've got to get better with your pitching staff and especially in your bullpen, and you've got young hitters that are waiting in the wings and you're taking away at bats from them in the case of Michael A. Taylor, I understand it. I don't think either one of these receive or one of these either one of these relievers um, are game changers by any means. But Michael A. Taylor isn't a game changer either. So it's a it's a minor trade in my mind, but it's one that I'm okay with, and I feel like it makes sense to be able to try to at least bolster your bullpen. It, it does, and and it's not again. I, it's not that Michael A. Taylor's not Michael A. Taylor. I, I thought had a nice little run with Kansas City. One of the better fine. defenders, one of the better defenders at a premium position, um, had some pop, did some nice things, just didn't fit for what the Royals have to do ultimately. They're not ready for that kind of player to help them right now. I don't think that they are. And so the trade makes sense, and it's it's movement of some sort. Is it enough movement to satisfy a starved fan base and a team that wants to move into a new stadium downtown and and all of those things? Probably not. But again, the problem, and we've talked about this, that John Sherman's going to have here is they're not ready for that, but they also want to get their stadium built. So they're not ready to make those kinds of moves. Even if they were motivated to do it, it wouldn't be the right thing to do right now. Like there's not really, (laughs) there's not really small free agent deals. They're going to be able to go do that make any sense to the rebuild, but that, you know, also might get people excited. It's like those are those are two things working against each other right now for this franchise. And the, you know, the only hope they have is for a vastly overachieving kind of year where they can be in position to do both things next year. Yeah, they're kind of in a chicken or egg situation right now. Yep. You know, like they want that new stadium in downtown. Um, but they need to have a good team to get public support for a downtown stadium. But then I think there's some of it where they kind of need a downtown stadium to be able to get excitement on with the team. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, I don't want to say a lose lose situation. It's very difficult. And I would say at this point, like, unless they do vastly overachieve, uh, John Sherman, I know he wanted a, a private public partnership. It might be a little bit more private when it's all said and done. Uh, unless he gets, you know, a lot of support, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it'll be tough, but that's a move, at least something and one that I think makes a lot of sense. And and hopefully those two guys can factor in uh, and, and be pieces of a bullpen as a part of a, a bigger. Uh, it makes my skin crawl even still calling it a rebuild. We, what, what have we been doing here? 869 1240. We'll come back. More Sports Daily right after this. Mixed reviews on the Bill O'Brien news. Really interesting. 
it, people are acting like Alabama fans are really, really excited about this. I think Patriot fans need to be really, really excited about this. It, it seems like a perfect fit for New England to get things back in order offensively to bring that guy back there, doesn't it? Or am I missing something? I've got no problem with it. Bill O'Brien was not a good head coach. Uh, and the last couple of years when he was in Houston, really bad, really bad decisions, both on the field and personnel decisions that he made. He's much better when he's just an offensive guy and can focus on that and working with Bill Belichick. I mean, of course, you know, you're going from working from the best college coach uh, in, uh, in Nick Saban to the best NFL coach in Bill Belichick. I've got no problem with it. I think the fact that um, Bill O'Brien got to spend some time at Alabama with Mac Jones before uh, th- that's going to help. I've got no issue with it whatsoever. Yeah, it, it makes some sense. It makes some sense. I think it, you know, if you had to, if you had to go and cherry pick a person to do this, knowing everything that we know, and Bill Belichick is still there, it's probably, I, I think if you're a Patriots person, the guy that makes the most sense, doesn't it? Like, who knows yeah. what's, I mean, they tried to run Matt, Matt Patricia out there as an offensive coordinator last year. So clearly it's going to have to be somebody Bill Belichick's familiar with, right? Uh, so why not him, you know? And and yeah, it got ugly there in Houston. There's no doubt about it. But they were in a lot of playoff games with him there too. So, uh, and you've got time with Saban. you got time with, I, I think it makes sense. And, and I think that probably for Mac Jones, it will be a good thing, which again, you know, it's all that really matters when you have young quarterbacks is what are you doing to develop those young quarterbacks? Um We'll see. I, I thought that was an interesting news. It's uh, Dak Prescott official overreaction day here today, apparently, Tommy. This is the day, you know, each year where we uh, need to, uh, for whatever reason, wear on our sleeves our opinions on Dak Prescott and whether he's, you know, an elite quarterback. We used to do this with Tony Romo. I think it's a Cowboys thing more than a Dak Prescott thing. Uh, but but here we go again. And Dak, everyone's going to say, oh, is Dak, you got, you know, you got to be realistic, people. Like, what the hell do you think they're going to do? They're going to roll with Dak, and that's what's going to happen. I'm just waiting for you to uh, have your wife film you wadding up your Dak Prescott jersey and throwing it in the trash can. <laughs> did you see Skip Bayless do or that? Punch a TV yesterday. I, yeah, I did. I really wish everybody would stop paying so much attention to him. Like, it's the <laughs> like he he. I I can't ever decide whether what he does is the smartest thing that's ever been done in sports television because he's just clearly a rest. Like, so if you ever watch pro wrestling, like bad guys just intentionally are bad guys to keep people hating them. And it's so obvious that that's what he is and is doing. And people just like, they, they take it hook, line and sinker like every single day, like everybody. It's intentional and it's phony. Like it it yeah. is. So if it really bothers you, like it'd be like you still thinking the Iron Sheik was the most evil person on the planet, right? Like you can't he it's it's intentional. So anyway, I can't, I can't stand him uh at all. So I choose to not watch him. It's not one of those things where I'm like I can't stand him. So I'm going to watch every day and just get, you know, but a lot of people do. And a lot of people talk about him on social media. And again, that's why I can't ever decide. Like, is it the smartest programming move ever? Like is whoever the producer that keeps running him out there, the smartest person in the world, because people can't stop talking about it. 
or it's like Howard Stern. Love him or hate him, you're going to listen to him. Yeah, except that he wasn't intentionally like trying to say things he knew would just make people angry. Right. True. Which is what which again is what Skip Bayless so clearly is doing. It's like walking into the arena and saying, "Oh man, everybody hates the fat girlfriends in in Wichita." Boo! Right? Like it's it's so obviously that. Like you people smell. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I don't really have an over under reaction to Dak. I have a realistic reaction to Dak. He's going to be the quarterback because they're committed to him being the quarterback, and there's not really a lot you can do with that. Um, you just have to try to you know try to do things. The real criminal thing the Cowboys did it, it, for me it was keeping the coaching staff in place, and I know they've won a lot of games, but it's not a good fit. But the other thing is you can't trade away Amari Cooper and do absolutely nothing at that position to try and 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 get better there. The Cowboys became so one-dimensional. As good as their offense was down the stretch, like they became so one-dimensional. Is there a world where they can go find some other pass targets or, you know, get the offensive line in better shape? I don't know what they're going to do at running back now with Tony Pollard basically breaking his leg and they'll almost certainly be done with Zeke. But and Dak needs a running game. But trading Amari Cooper and and I get it, like he was a pro- but you can't do that and not have a backup plan. And maybe their backup plan was Michael Gallup and he just wasn't that this year. I don't know. But Dak is not going to be the change that the Cowboys make. So you might as well just be at peace with it. It's not going to happen. There's no way to do that. I mean, what are you going to go trade Dak Prescott? I guess it worked for the for the Rams with Jared Goff in a somewhat similar situation. Maybe there's a team. But, man, I don't know. Like, you just have to keep taking swings with this roster or blow it all the way up. And that was the problem, Tommy, when they had to make the call on Dak. Do you blow it all the way up? Because there was never going to be a quick solution at that position. You can't have both. You either have to keep trying this or you have to go to ground zero and start all over. And that is a frightening concept to think about if you're if you're a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you're going to start over, I don't, I mean, do you have to blow up the defense because they've got a good defense? Or are you starting all the way over as far as your offense is concerned? Uh, or is that everything? And you I don't can't know. do that, right? Like you can't. Get, I don't care how good their defense is. If you start all the way over on offense, you're not winning a Super Bowl. So, yeah, you know, which is it going to be? I, I they're think, not going to win a Super Bowl with the way their roster is built right now. Correct, as it stands. Correct, but with Jerry Jones in his advanced age and with an you know insatiable desire to win a Super Bowl, you got to just continue to build on, rely on that defense, right, and try to put Dak in a better position to not fail, basically. And How old is Jerry Jones now? 80? Oh, God, I don't know. 85? I don't know. 84? Something like that? Uh, I hate to break it to him. He's not winning the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not going to happen. I, I, it's not going to happen. It's Here we go. It is. Again, though, it is It is Dak Prescott day on everybody to get their takes out there uh, publicly in every way. So we thought we'd participate just a little bit. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap today on the network next on Sports Daily.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.